The Joker by Scott Leopold. Chapter 21. Journal Entry. Like a broken record that repeats itself, my life in Bloomington turned into a mess, just like before. Yes, I was having a blast, but things at home were bad. My mother and her new boyfriend, Leo, would have sex in the living room at night, while my brother, sister, and myself were upstairs in bed. I guess they thought we were asleep. I could hear every detail, and if I could hear it, I knew my brother and sister could hear it too. My mother had no shame, no pride, no love for anyone but herself. Needing to release the anger building within me, I cut myself with a knife. I remember seeing cuts on, my, on the arms of a kid I met when I was in the Child Protective Services Center. When I asked him about it, he said it made him feel better. I thought he was crazy. Why would anyone do that? But there I was, a pocket knife pushed against my arm, slowly cutting into my skin, and it felt good. I would put on my headphones and crank up the music to drown out the disgusting sounds my mother and Leo would make. Then I would cut myself. My mother fell off the wagon before she was in the new house for even three months. She was still the drunk I grew up with, and Leo was along for the ride. The two of them together acted like wild teenagers on spring break. But this time I was wiser. Leo would not hurt me like Cy did. Overhearing Leo and my mom in the living room again one night, I crammed on my headphones over my ears, turned up my music as high as it would go, and then cut myself. Then I heard my mother yell. I ripped off my headphones. Come on, bitch! I'm gonna fuck you in the ass. No, you're not, she screamed. The fuck I'm not. I heard my mother struggling. She was crying, begging, demanding him to stop. Please stop, stop. Then I heard a loud, loud, powerful moan. There was a gasp, then another cry. I didn't know what to do. This went on for several minutes. I could hear my brother and sister crying. I went to my brother's room first, picked him up, then got my sister. I put them in bed with me so I could keep an eye on them. I'm scared, Jack. Why is mommy crying? Danielle asked. Mommy and Leo are fighting, I whispered. Don't worry, you're safe with me. It'll be over soon. I was so upset, I was shaking inside. An eerie silence filled the house. I could hear my mother sobbing while Leo was breathing heavy. After a few seconds, I heard someone turn the television on. The sound of the Tonight Show drifted upstairs. I felt helpless. I stared at the ceiling for hours. I didn't sleep that night. When I came out of my room the next morning, Leo was walking around the house naked like he was the king pissed off I yelled my brother and sister don't need to see you walking around the house naked please have some respect and put on your put on some clothes fuck you you don't tell me what to do Leo responded I couldn't believe what my mother had invited into our home I wanted to kill him Leo's bare ass was hanging out as he grabbed a beer from the fridge turning around he saw me looking at him what the fuck are you looking at? Don't tell me you're one of those queer boys. 
I glared at him, standing there with his dick in his hand, and screamed, You fucking asshole. Then I turned and ran up to my bedroom, forgetting what I wanted from the kitchen. My anger was growing like a volcano, ready to erupt. My thoughts circled back to the only idea that made sense. I had to kill the son of a bitch. The next day at the old abandoned house, I told Rich about my plan to kill Leo. Are you kidding? Leo asked. Grabbing the bottle of whiskey Rich was holding, I took a giant pull. You're kidding, right? He asked again. No, I'm not. I started. He's an asshole. He's smacking my brother and sister around and fucking my mom in the living room right in our faces. My mom doesn't even give a shit. She just lets it happen. He's going to end up killing one of us, and it's most likely going to be me. Holy shit. He's fucking your mom right in front of you? That's fucked up, man. Yes, it is. I need your help to take him out so he doesn't kill me. What? I'm not going to help you kill someone, Rich replied. You won't have to do anything that'll get you in trouble, I started. I won't let you get in trouble. You're my best friend, but I need help to execute my plan. Rich studied me hard. When I didn't back down, he knew I was serious. What do you have in mind, he asked. Come with me and I'll show you. Finding the right weapon was step one. Rich and I got to the transit and headed to the Walmart on the southwest side of Bloomington. When we got there, we checked out the shotguns in the sporting goods department. I'm going hunting and I'm looking for the right shotgun. What do you recommend, I asked the clerk. You look awful young to be buying a shotgun. We're just looking. My friend here is going deer hunting with his dad and is thinking about asking him to buy him one, I quickly replied. Well, I would recommend this one here. The clerk pulled out an all-black shotgun off the rack behind him and explained all of its features. This was exactly what I needed. We put the gun on hold under Rich's name until we could find an adult to buy it for him. This part of the plan was easier than I thought. I asked Rich to get his Uncle Tim to buy him the shotgun. Naively, I explained that I was the only one with a motive. If the cops found it after the murder, it wouldn't be traceable back to me because it wouldn't be because it would be in Tim's name. And it wouldn't be a problem for him because he didn't even know Leo. I explained how he could give me the shotgun two days before the murder, then immediately report it stolen to the police. This way, it was recorded as stolen. It made the whole deal sound okay to Rich, so he agreed to do his part. Asking Rich's uncle to buy the shotgun wasn't hard at all. Tim was an avid hunter and all for it. In fact, he told Rich it was about time he learned how to hunt. Tim even paid for it out of his own pocket. Several days later, I came home from school and snuck up, snuck into my mother's bedroom before anyone else got home. I unlocked the window so I could later enter from the outside. The evening went as usual. Leo slugged down a few beers. Around midnight, he and my mother went to bed. I could hear the TV drift up to the attic 
as I nodded off to sleep. At exactly two in the morning, my watch alarm beeped. I tiptoed to my bedroom window. I opened it and stepped out onto the roof above the front porch. Like a cat, I found the lattice and climbed down. As soon as my feet hit the frozen ground, I took off running through the backyard. It was so cold I could see my breath in the air when I exhaled. It felt like I had jogged forever, but I eventually found Old Man Cragen's tombstone in the graveyard behind her house. This was where I told Rich to hide the shotgun. Looking around, I saw a new grave. I envisioned one like it for Leo. The shotgun was right where we planned. Grabbing the long gun, or as Jim called it, the devil's right hand, I started back toward the house. Suddenly, I was uncertain if I was doing the right thing. If I got caught, I would spend the rest of my life in jail. Is killing Leo worth it? I asked myself. When I finally got to my mother's bedroom window, I squatted down, waiting for the right moment. My heart was racing and my legs were shaking. I wasn't ready to kill someone. Planning it out felt so good, but now I was scared. I don't know if it was divine intervention or what, but my little sister saved me from the biggest mistake I was about to make. She opened the door to my mother's bedroom at just the right moment. I could see her silhouette swimming in the light behind her. She was crying, telling my mother about a horrible nightmare she had had. My mother picked her up and put her in the bed. My body went limp with relief. I couldn't go through with it now. I sat against the house, watching my breath as I exhaled into the bitter cold. I felt like a coward. I put the shotgun under the pile of leaves behind the tombstone. Then I went home, climbed up the lattice, and through my window. Although I was back in bed, my eyes never closed. When Rich went to the cemetery at five in the morning, he found the shotgun right where I told him I would leave it. Rich's part of the plan was to get rid of the evidence. After discarding several other ideas, he'd come up with an ingenious plan. If he broke down the shotgun into pieces, hiding parts in different areas of the leg, no one would ever figure out, even if they found one part. So piece by piece, barrel, trigger, butt, chamber, bolt, sling, and sight, he divided the pieces into three different plastic bags. After Rich got rid of the evidence, he ran to school, breathing more easily when he joined a group of kids who were all trying to avoid the tardy bell. I was already in class, sitting at my desk, yawning when Rich walked in. He approached me with a look that said, tell me what happened or I'll punch you in the face. I couldn't do it, I whispered. What? He replied. Rich had a stunned look on his, quickly, quickly melted into relief. After a few seconds, he continued. Are you kidding me? No, my sister walked in the room just as I was opening the window. I couldn't go through with it. Well, guess what? What? I replied. I looked at Rich and suddenly realized he had gotten rid of the evidence. Shit, I yelled. All eyes turned on me. Shh. What did you expect, Rich started. I thought you went through with it. I was secretly happy the plan fell through. 
but I felt bad for putting Rich in this position with his uncle. Weeks went by and Leo remained the asshole he was. It was getting worse. Before long, I was regretting my decision to not kill him. The only pleasure I had was my secret, knowing that knowing that Leo had no idea how close he came to death. I visualized killing him repeatedly. I knew I could never do it, but it helped me get through the day. I was now spending all my time at the abandoned house. I was even spending the night there. I would drink myself to sleep. I remember walk, walking, waking one morning to the faint sound of crying. I stumbled back and looked around the house until I found where it was coming from. It was a cat. I found it curled up in a ball in one of the broken down closets. It didn't look well. Not sick, just not well. It was a billy cat like Tom, which made me smile. Sitting down next to my new friend, I petted it. I noticed she had a tight, <clears throat> swollen belly. Are you pregnant, girl? You look like you're ready to give birth soon, I murmured. Don't worry, I'll take care of you. I had to leave soon because it was getting late and I wanted to sleep in my bed for a change. Maybe I could sneak into the house, grab something to eat, go to bed with no one knowing I was home. Two days later, when I returned to the abandoned house, Mama Cat had given birth. I was the first to meet the fuzzy little fur balls that lay beside her. In fact, I was the only one that even knew they existed. A few weeks after the kittens were born, I got drunk and something invaded my brain. I cannot fully explain why I did what I did. One afternoon, I was playing with a kitten when the image of Leo entered my head. He was forcing my mother to have sex with him. The images rushed at me like cars colliding. The sounds of moans, groans, and crying rang loud. My ears, I wanted to kill him. That's when I realized I was gripping the kitten's neck with my left hand and slapping it with my right. It was frantically trying to get away, but I held it tight. I slapped it again and again, each blow making me feel better. It released something terrible inside me. I knew it was wrong, but it felt so good. The slapping soon turned into punches. You motherfucker, I will fucking kill you, I screamed. I wanted the kittens to feel my pain. I wanted it to suffer just like I did. Putting both hands around its neck, I choked the life out of it. Climbing up my arm with its back paws, it left deep scratches. It thrashed to get free. The more it fought, the harder I squeezed. Its eyes were filled with fear. It was so scared it shit itself. That's when I came to my senses. Controlling the monster that was struggling to get out, I started shaking. I put the kitten down. The look of terror in the kitten's eyes scribbled a haunting picture on my brain that would tor me, torment me for the rest of my life. I couldn't believe what I had done. Worse, I couldn't believe what I had become. I had become Psy. 
Depressed, ashamed, and sobbing, I took another swig of whiskey. I looked out the broken window in front of the house. The glass was so old that parts of it were sagging from its own weight. Objects seen through it were obscured. The gravel driveway in front, lined with overgrown mulberry bushes, was blurry, and the house just beyond them were oblong and wavy. The whole thing reminded me of the House of Mirrors at the county fair. Over the past few months, I had stood at that window admiring the surrounding homes. Looking across the street, I could see the flickering lights from the television sets in the living rooms. I imagined a mother and father snuggling together with their kids on the couch. I pretended I was with them. I wasn't sleeping at night. Instead, I was watching a life I could only dream about. I couldn't help but think about how lonely the abandoned house must have felt. Sitting there all day watching the surrounding homes filled with families while it sat abandoned with no one to love it but a broken teenager. Like shaking an empty can of spray paint, there was nothing left inside me. Stumbling across the room, I finished the bottle of whiskey, then struggled home to get, try and get some sleep. To my surprise, Grandma Daisy was in the living room when I got home. She had been waiting for me for several hours. When I saw the shock on her face, it stunned me. She hadn't seen me in months. I'm sure she smelled the booze on my breath. I know I look like crap. Even Rich told me I looked sick a few weeks back. I had lost so much weight. I was frail and weak. Jack, you're so pale and you have dark rings under your eyes. What happened to you? She asked. What are you doing here, Grandma? Your grandfather called me. He said you weren't going to school. Taking a long look at me, she continued. I went through this with your grandfather for many years, and then with your mother. I will not lose you like I lost them. You are too good for this. I will take you home with me and take care of you. You need help. The way she said it left me no other option but to go home with her. I didn't want to fight it. I was tired and hungry, and I was ready to go back to sanity.